the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. We need a president who respects science, who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Hall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins. Now, this is the podcast that eases its way through the green agenda and hopefully from time to time lands that killer punch onto the pompous noses of our politicians, for it is they who should be prioritising the very things we talk about every week here. For those unaware of the brief, the man at the wheel on each episode is the entrepreneur and environmentalist Dale Vince. He's the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company. In his other guys, he's the chairman of Forest Green Rovers. Dale, morning. Yeah, morning. Ian. I just want to say uh, uh, your intro made me think that the politicians should actually be prioritizing what they talk about every week these days, which is green stuff. Yeah, well, let's start on that point. I have one final announcement that exemplifies the future economy. A policy on a scale we've never done before. A policy to bring investment, trade, and most importantly, jobs right across this country. To replace the industries of the past with green, innovative, fast-growing new businesses. Uh, well, there you go, Dale. Nothing to worry about, nothing to see here. You, you've been insisting the government go more green and they hit targets and, well, Rish has done it. The rabbit is out the bag. Job done. <laughs> yeah, nothing to see here. Nails it. <laughs> there is nothing to see here. There's yeah. nothing on green stuff. There's no... Oh, there's just nothing. It's incredible. I, I mean, thought it was going to be... I, I, I was watching the budget because I was covering the budget and I thought... I know what he's doing here. He's going to do all the kind of little stuff first, and then at least 50% of this budget will be dedicated solely to uh, either environmental issues or issues that touch significantly on the environmental agenda. I thought that's how it was going to play. You know, the thing is, it was a massive opportunity to uh, not, not just touch on the environment agenda, but the economic one as well, you know, to stimulate the green economy, create jobs and industries and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's what budgets are usually for, sure. apart from uh, you know, increasing taxes and stuff like that. But what we got was a, a lame announcement of some kind of eco bond scheme. We did that 10 years ago, you know, and there's no shortage of money for green projects that make money. Uh, What's missing is government support to help green businesses and green projects actually compete better. You know, at the moment, the government have put the brakes on through like VAT on solar panels and electric cars and stuff like that. So what was missing was a stimulus for the green economy, which will create jobs and raise the tax base and do all those good things. You know, instead, we, we just got this vague, we're going to create a savings scheme for people, uh, green bond kind of um, declaration. And at the same time, massive tax cuts for big corporations this uh, super deduction i think rishi called it yeah. uh, you know souped up tax allowances basically if you invest in a plant and equipment plant. yeah yeah but small and medium-sized businesses are completely excluded it's only for the big boys a number of uh, tax experts have in the last day or so said that they think people like amazon for example will now pay no tax at all they didn't pay very much before anyway uh, but they'll now pay none bt will pay no tax because it's investing in broadband and there are all sorts of big companies out there that are investing in stuff anyway which is suddenly now going to qualify for this uh, souped up tax allowance which is madness it's going to cost 25 billion and, you know, and in contrast, there's nothing for the green economy. Yeah. 
It was it was quite extraordinary. I, I, I just kept waiting, thinking, you know, I said to my colleague um, on the radio, you know, in, in a minute he's going to get to the green stuff. You know, he's just yeah. building up this. Um, right. There was kind of a vague reference. I think the word green was said a couple of times, and I thought, okay, is that it? I know, and it's weird, and you see headlines in newspapers saying Boris Johnson's green industrial revolution gets the go-ahead, you know, like from, from the budget. And I'm thinking, well, did I miss something, you know? And, I, and I'm starting to think this morning that we need to rename this for Boris. This is Boris Johnson's green industrial illusion because <laughs> n- nothing's happening here. He's like the Wizard of Oz, you know? He talks a good game, but nothing's happening. Well, everything you're saying there goes against our first question from Chris on Twitter, who says, Dale Vince is a New World Order stooge who's revealed his true colours. Daily Express, Amazon, now Netflix, you don't fool me, says Chris. <laughs> yeah, I think Chris is being ironic, and uh, and I appreciate the humour of that. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, well, there are plenty of people that do kind of, you know, they, we, we talked about it the other day, didn't we, the World Economic Forum, and I don't know how often you're down there skiing in Davos, Dale, but... Um, you know, supposedly that's where all the big decisions are cooked up, and some would say you're part of it. Yeah, they would. I know. What can I say? <laughs> uh, let, let's move to this. Goes to the centre of the very things we talk about. Eating meat raises the risk of heart disease, diabetes, pneumonia. I mean, this won't be new news to you and to many out there, I guess. No, it's not new news, uh, but it's a new study, and it's based on the medical records of about half a million people looking at increased risks. And there are apparently twenty-five uh, ailments that hospitalise most people. Uh, you know, serious illnesses such as heart disease and all, all kinds of things. Non-cancerous, there are twenty-five of them. And in nine of them, these guys found an increased risk from eating meat of all kinds, not just red meat, which often gets singled out, but uh, chicken as well. And um, I think they found that a mere 60 grams a day of meat will give you a 15% increase chance of uh, heart disease, for example, or, you know, uh, some other bad stuff, you know, like I say, nine bad things that are not cancer. I mean, it's, it's already linked to cancer, of course, that's, sure. you know, that's, that's longstanding. But now we've got a whole bunch of other stuff that, uh, that meat is causing. And I think, wow, uh, you know, how much more evidence do we need, guys? And yet you've got the food lobby off the back of that. Uh, jumping onto the same story saying yeah it's okay as long as it's part of a varied diet and we eat whole grains and fruits as well and i think yeah that that sounds like a great diet but why go and pollute it with 60 grams of red meat which they recommend and i'm like come on guys wake up and smell the coffee yeah boris johnson has this problem hi folks i've been doing a lot in fact everything i can to uh, lose weight and to feel uh, fitter and healthier and the what i've been doing is i've been eating less uh, carbs avoiding uh, chocolate no more late night cheese all that kind of thing i've been getting up early to go for for runs and the result is you know i actually have lost some weight so there you go cheese dale is the uh, is the big problem here Oh, well, I mean, that's interesting because cheese is the Achilles heel of a lot of people that actually want to go vegan. You know, they get so far, they can give up meat and fish and stuff like that. And they say, but, you know, I really love cheese, you know. Uh, my good friend Paul Watson from Sea Shepherd, he's a big cheese fan. I think Jon Snow has said the same to me before as well. You know, it's the one thing that, that, that he struggles with. It used to be bacon sandwiches for most people. They say, oh, I'd give up meat except bacon sandwiches. I love them, you know. Now, it's cheese more, more, uh, more likely. Yeah. Yeah, I think cheese gets them. Uh, here's a question uh, sent to zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk from Jeremy, your Portland admirer. Jeremy d- just sent a question in before, of course. says, Dale, I heard uh, lots about solar energy uh, never being cheaper and easier to get, but I'm being prevented from installing it in my home in one of America's most progressive states. Shouldn't it be easier 
for those of us who want renewable energy to get it. Yeah, it totally should. And, uh, you know, it's part of um, part of the focus of our Zero for Zero campaign, really. It's one of the big examples we've highlighted. There's some VAT of 20% on solar panels to put on your house. But if you want to burn coal, you'll just pay 5% VAT, which is climate madness. One is the highest carbon form of energy we know of, coal, and the uh, the other is zero carbon. Uh, but the, the, the tax doesn't follow the logic. Sure. Uh, let's move to this story. Uh, big headlines screaming out uh, at The Guardian this week. The climate crisis can't be solved by carbon accounting tricks. Uh, suggestion here, there's some tomfoolery going on. Yeah, I mean, I think I have to say, I think that's axiomatic. The idea that we can't solve climate change or the climate crisis with accounting tricks. <laughs> Surely that's a given. <laughs> but I think the headline is just a teaser to the uh, to the piece itself, which calls out the two or three different ways that uh, major companies are abusing uh, carbon accounting, the ideas of zero or net zero and offsetting uh, and offsetting notional emissions. I think there's one example there of a company it's, a, it's an investment fund led by Mark Carney, um, ex-governor of the Bank of England, and they have a massive investment in fossil fuels. And he says, that's okay, we're zero carbon because we also have a massive investment in renewable energy and that's zero carbon. And, and if, it, you know, if it wasn't in the world, there would have been carbon coming from that. That's the idea of notional emissions that... Um, there would have been emissions if you hadn't built a windmill. And, you know, it's, it, it's all kinds of wrong. So, I mean, offsetting has been a problem since offsetting was invented. It's always been a problem. It's, it's intrinsically, inherently uh, worrisome. But the, um, the way the Climate Change Committee uh, have it set out in their most recent report for us as a country is that we get to near zero carbon emissions doing all the important big stuff that we can. And for the irreducible part, maybe it's 5% of national emissions, we do indigenous carbon offsetting through rewilding. And that is a perfect example of how uh, offsetting and how we can get to net, net zero, how that works properly. Uh, here's a question from Jay, and it ties in with, I think, the question last week from Jeremy when we were saying, is there an American Dale Vince out there? Remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. He's, he's found one, is he? Yeah. He, say, he says, I know an American Dale Vince. He's called Rob Greenfield. Well, I mean, that couldn't be more apt, could it, in terms of a name? Mr. Greenfield. Uh, he's a huge, is that his real name? He's a huge inspiration on the food and environmental thing. I'm a big fan of the show. Uh, I've got my business to zero carbon to keep on inspiring. Well, that's Rob good. Greenfield. Yeah, well, that's good work getting to zero carbon with your business in any yeah, event. Yeah. And yeah, maybe maybe we need to get Rob on one day. I was just thinking that. I can't believe he's called Green. There's a name for that, isn't there? When your name um, reflects your profession. Is there? Nominative something or other. All um, right. That's how names were, were derived originally. Yeah, if, yeah if your name is Bob Chimney Sweep. Yeah. And you sweep <laughs> chimneys, right. you know, that's that kind of thing. Um, extreme example, obviously. Um, <laughs> here's something we've talked about, and here's the official trailer. My name is Ali. I've been fascinated with the ocean for as long as I can remember. But this romantic vision that I always had of the ocean completely changed. I was forced to confront a side of the story I never knew. A story of just how huge our impact on the seas had become. Where are the big environment groups? They are deliberately not engaging with the most important issue of all. Can you turn off the cameras? Thanks. Would you say there's any safety concerns for me making this film? Leave it alone. 
Most of the positive and negative things that bring about change in human civilization start with someone. Someone. Well, what about this stuff? Fill in the blanks here for those who don't know. That's a trailer for a new Netflix show called Sea Spiracy. What's the deal, Dale, and what's your connection? Yeah, this is uh, brought to the world by the people that made Cowspiracy quite a while ago now, which had a big impact on a lot of people in terms of opening their eyes to the intensive animal agriculture industry, you know, the abuse of factory farming. And uh, we spoke to them about five years ago, the makers of this film, and they said they wanted to do a follow-up that was focused on the oceans, which I thought was super important. You know, I mean, what we're doing out there is just incredible. It's crazy. We're, we're eating our way to extinction with industrial fishing and, and just some incredible abuse of sentient creatures. Um, so, yeah, we said, yeah, let's help fund this film. Let's get it going. And then... Um, didn't hear from them for a while, for the last couple of years, actually. And I, I kind of forgot even that I hadn't even heard from them. And then they came back and said, we've done it. Ta-da! And Netflix want it. And it's going to reach an enormous audience. And uh, well, I'm, I'm super chuffed. Yeah, I bet. Uh, this in from Sean. Um, I'd buy a coffee shirt if you made them. He's referencing, of course, uh, the story from last week. Well, it's ongoing now. Forest Green Rovers, uh, new strip will be made of coffee. It's coming. We're definitely doing it. And we've had a few people approach us and say, do you make cycling kit? Um, you know, do you make other kinds of sportswear out of this coffee material? Because I'd love to have some. So we're looking at that as well with our shirt um, partner, Player Layer. And I think we're going to see if we cannot produce a, a wider range of um, sportswear than just a football shirt. Fantastic. Um, sticking with the football theme, uh, Bjorn on Twitter, regular listener from Sweden. Do you think fans will be allowed into Forest Green Rovers next season? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, not this season, uh, definitely. No. I'm, I'm equally clear on that, but next season, yes. Yeah, I think this, it would be extraordinary, wouldn't it, if we, we had to go another football season without fans in the grounds. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. You know, all the signs are good. The R rate is down. Uh, vaccines are in the world. You know, we've we've got quite a few million people here vaccinated already. I yeah. mean, our, our season will probably start in August. That's a normal month for it. And by then, we're just going to be in a very different country. Uh, in, in a way. Maybe I just call it a very different place. <laughs> a very different place indeed. And just a final one here. Uh, this comes in from Lee on Facebook. My nine-year-old and 12-year-old both want to do something to help fight climate change. Uh, we're recycling more, eating meat much less. What else can I get them to do? Something that makes them feel like they're actually helping. I think kids are really quite good at this stuff. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think they digest this far better than adults, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think kids approach stuff without baggage, don't they, without history, and they just, they can see the kind of obvious truth in things that as adults, we, we tend to kind of try to deny for some reason or another, usually because of ingrained habit, and we think, oh no, that can't be wrong, uh, you know, I've been doing it all my life. Um, but look, I, would, I gave this little quick bit of thought, and I thought, actually, the best thing to do is to, for the kids to talk to their friends. Uh, influence the peer groups you know uh, I've seen my boys do it and uh, and you know and it, and it works and what we have to do the most important thing which is what I do is communicate to other people share with them the the things that you do and the reason that you do them and and just show them it's for them as well uh, so persuade other people I would say is the thing yeah and I think that always the the argument of nothing to lose really I mean you know it, it, it doesn't take I always think the, re, the greatest recycling example when people go I don't know what recycle is milk bottles uh, I think we've mentioned this before. You know, years ago, we've been recycling milk bottles for decades, and nobody thought so. Nobody called it recycling. It would have been unthinkable. 
Well, it was and you re- want to throw out a milk bottle. Well, it was reusing, wasn't it? It was better than recycling. Yeah, that's true. You they literally- went back and got washed. Correct. Correct. Uh, that's it for this episode. Cheers, Dale. Have a cracking week, and we'll speak next Friday. That's brilliant. Ian, I've got um, I've got one thing, one postscript, yeah. if if possible. There's a, right, a, right, if yeah. there's room for it. There's yes. a story out this week that links seaspiracy and Mark Carney and this idea of dodgy carbon accounting. Go on, I like it. Okay, and it's another study out this week that shows that Britain, in the last I don't know twenty thirty years, has lost ninety percent of its seagrass. So this is stuff that grows um, on on the uh, floor of the sea, yeah, as you yeah. might imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And quite <laughs> uh, crucial as well to the, the, the ecosystem there. Oh, it's a really big deal. But, um, you know, we've lost 90%, so we've barely got any left. But what researchers have found is that this stuff grows really quickly. It can lock up carbon for thousands of years. It provides an important, I mean, a vital habitat for marine life as well. And it looks like it's a sea-based alternative to land-based rewilding and carbon absorption and offshore. Settings. Wow. It looks like we can rewild the seas around our coast and absorb carbon at the same time as bring back wildlife, which is a fantastic opportunity. Good We're di- diving in to take a look at it now. Oops, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> you, did it. You, did, you went there. Though, you? I didn't mean it. I That's didn't mean right. it. Uh, we'll speak next week, Dale. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Ian. Don't forget you can subscribe for free from your podcast provider to this program. That means you get each new episode automatically. Really important to leave a review there as well. Just a sentence or two. If you're a regular listener, you might want to email your comments and questions as well. You can do that. Zero Carbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. And the really important bit, follow Dale on social media if you're not already. That's twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. We'll speak in a week. Zero carbon east off.